we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our mega study, our fourth mega study we've done on the alien agenda exposed. Now, like I said in the last part, I'm going to do a quick sidebar here where we're going to kind of do a quick debunking of the pre-Adamic man theory. Now, hopefully you're seeing from the last part why it's very important to understand and to debunk the pre-Adamic man theory because the New Agers, the people that are all behind the alien agenda are using that exact term that even the Christians that are using it are using. Pre-Adamic man theory debunk. Many people hold to the notion that man-like beings existed long before Adam and may have even been his contemporary. The idea is usually hazy and half-formed, while comfort is drawn from the fact that many of the spiritual giants, supposed spiritual giants, of Christendom have given their approval to the pre-Adamic or the pre-Adamite man. Those seeking biblical support admit this is not explicit but point out that the Bible makes no claim to be a complete record of the history of the world. This argument from silence is cause for suspicion, though. So it will be, so it will be as well to see where the idea of the pre-Adamite man arose. And it was, it was a wicked concept that came from wicked men, essentially. Okay? Um, where the idea of the pre-Adamite man arose, who has sustained it, and what effect it has had on our thinking. Now, I'm not going to say anything more about that. I give you a link here. You can click on that and it goes to the whole history of where this heresy came from. Just like the gap theory has a real, real bad checkered history. You look at the foundation of something before you buy into it. I have somebody that, that emails me, what about this? I immediately go into where was this founded? Who founded it? What did they believe in? I don't try to argue some point-by-point -point dogma on some weird offshoot or cult before I find out where, like, that's why I tell people with Mormonism or the Jehovah Witnesses or Seventh-day Adventists, don't, don't argue with these people. What you want to do is oh, don't play on their playing field. They want to get you on their playing field, answering their questions, because they're trained how to go after Christians. They're trained how to sway Christians and destroy their faith. They'll take you to obscure, obscure Bible verses invariably and try to get you to doubt your faith, okay? It's what they do. They're trained to do it. What you need to do, and what I advise people to do, don't argue on their playing field. You take them onto your playing field. If they want to argue, no, no, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to go back to why on God's green earth, if your religion is so valid, was the person that started your religion such a nutcase? Why would, like Ellen G. White for Seventh-day Adventists, or Charles Taz Russell, high-level Freemason, essentially, you know, Joseph Smith, Mormonism, another high-level Freemason that stole the secrets of Freemasonry and incorporated it into the Mormon religion. Okay. I try to take them there. Jehovah Witnesses, okay, they go by that publication that they come out every, every month, the Watchtower. And they say it's infallible. Well, if it's infallible, why on God's green earth did it predict the end of the world wrong so many times? I think starting in like 1929. I used to have the dates memorized. You bring that up to a Jehovah Witnesses, they, they, they'll just get, I did it one time at my office when I was practicing, and boy, oh boy, did that person get mad. I'm pretty sure it was a patient of mine. They had no answer. You don't play, you, you don't, this is, the Bible says, there's a time to contend with a fool and there's not a time. The time to contend with them is at the very beginning of a debate. 
But you don't sit there and just spin your wheels and waste all your time and, 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 and devote weeks and weeks. That's exactly what they want to do. Satan wants you to get bound up and tied up in all of that. You try to help who you can help and who you can't help you move on. But you don't let them destroy your faith. Okay, So always look at the foundation of things. If you're thinking about engaging somebody. Okay, because some, I mean, you, you encounter people and, you know, you got to know what their hidden agenda is. That's what I like to get to the bottom of. Okay, so let's go further here. Um, the next part of this pre-Adamite debunking. It appears that the Christian identity cult pushed the pre-Adamite theory pretty hard. The pre-Adamite theory, identity, um, oh, okay, and pre-Adamite theory, identity, Christian identity, which is a which is a cult movement, okay? It's it's a cult movement within Christianity, okay? It's not, um, it's not biblical, okay? At all, it's not biblical whatsoever, and it's a cult essentially, okay? Where they believe like they're the chosen ones, the the Jews of the Bible are really um, God's done with them. They're they don't exist anyway. We're the real basically israelites now and we're the real 12 tribes and we're the ones that are going to be the 144,000 certain people within the christian identity cult and and we're the chosen ones okay it's, it's, it's all based out of pride now the black hebrew roots movement has their own version of this where they believe they're the 12 tribes of israel okay and they're the chosen ones and there's you know so i mean there's different flavors of this okay so christian identity advocates claim not only that whites are the true Israel, but that whites are the true descendants of Adam. People of all other races are said to be descended from human beings created before Adam. Now again, if Adam was created on, what, like the sixth day, and the world was created before that, and it was a six-day literal creation, how do you have people created before Adam? Oh, well, it's the gap theory. There was like thousands of years. Yeah, but it said he made man on the on the sixth day. Then how, how do you do that? So, so you see where you can get in all kind of trouble believing the gap theory because it opens you up to a lot of other garbage. You know, I, and I'm, I'm 100% sure that Steve Quayle teaches this pre-Adamite theory. Okay, this is why you got to be real careful. Uh, why okay glean but understand you start hearing them spouting that stuff up understand that is going to be bedrock for a lot of the heresy that is already coming from this whole alien agenda that we're seeing here pre-atomite the gap theory it just opens you up to so much stuff that is totally faith destroying People, and this is this is what the, the Christian identity movement believe. People of all other, and I've got a whole gigantic file on them. I got a whole gigantic file on black Hebrew Israelites too. Okay, I just don't have time to do dedicated teachings on them that would probably take me five, six, seven parts to do a thorough rebuttal of these cults. There's so many of them, you know. Uh People of all other races are said to be descended from human beings created before Adam, meaning non-whites. Let's talk about racism. Man. These pre-Adamites are equated in identities teaching, 
meaning Christian identities, with the beasts of the earth. <laughs> My word. Wow. Talk about I'm feeling superior today. I'm white, therefore I'm, you're a beast. You're nothing more than a beast. Gosh, imagine how you would look down on people. Unbelievable that God had made before Adam. The beasts of the earth that God had made before Adam. Oh, my word. For example, Bertrand, comp compatriot of the Aryan nation. Also, it's the Aryan nation. The Aryan Brotherhood Nazi white supremacist dudes. He said God had millions of pre-Adamite, Asiatic, and African peoples around. If these Negroes and Mongoloids were all of were all that God wanted, he already had them. Gosh. Anyway, I give you a link to that whole report on that. I mean, but understand, I look at, a lot of times if there's a theory out there, I'll look at, okay, who's pushing it? Who's adopt, who, who has in, adopted this into their belief system? What sect of, Christian, of supposed pseudo-Christianity is pushing this? And, and that'll tell you a whole lot there. Because if, it, if it's a totally deceived, deluded bunch of pseudo-Christians that are pushing it, well, they're already deceived. Why do you want to follow them? It's not like this is giving me some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling that this is of God. It gives me the exact opposite. Okay, next one. Was there a pre-Adamic race on earth? Now remember, I'm just giving you the cliff notes. I'm just giving you like the first couple paragraphs of these reports. Was there a pre-Adamic race on earth? The Bible says that God told Adam and Eve to replenish the earth. And this is a big one. This is where we get into all these people saying, it's a gap theory, it's replenish. That means that there were people before here and we're supposed to replenish it. So they base everything off their, all this heresy that contradicts the Bible off their misinterpretation of one word. Doesn't this imply that he intended to refill something that was once full? That's what they'll say. The gap theory. The verse you're referring to is found in the King James Bible in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and re replenish the earth. The answer to your question is simply this. The word replenish translated in 1611 did not mean to refill, but rather to just fill. Remember, the words that were written in 1611 we don't even have a 1611 king james if you did you would have to be able to read old english we have a 1769 you either have a 1769 revision of the king james of either the oxford or the cambridge text i believe the cambridge is the best one okay the cambridge text um cambridge pure text is actually the best one those are the that that is the best king james bible that there is okay it's a 1769 revision of the 1611. It's what we have today. Okay? So, um, I've done whole teachings on that as well. A long time ago, but you have to understand, the words, when the way that they were written in 1611, a lot of those words, the interpretation of them is different now for us. Okay? That's why I will use, even um, on the 16. 79 words which is what we have in our king james i will use a noah webster 1828 dictionary to define them really if you look at you know the root words in a concordance and then you use the noah webster 1828 dictionary, that's a good way to get a real good idea of what that word actually means 
okay? Either the underlying Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, okay, from some type of concords and a Noah Webster 1828 dictionary, you're going to get a much more accurate version of what those words mean. Okay, so understand that the word replenish translated in 1611 did not mean to refill, but rather to, to just, quote, to fill. Fill the earth is what it means. You must first understand that the King James Version used by many today was translated in the 17th century Elizabethan English. Uh, but again, they need to make a clarification on that because the 1611 is not is not the version we have. We have a 1769 revision of the 1611. Okay. In fact, even the King James Version used today, I am not referring to the New King James, which is corrupted has been simplified from the original 1611 translation. The simplification took place in 1769 in either Cambridge or the Oxford editions. That's what they're in reference to. Therefore, it is important to understand the meaning of this word selected by the 17th century translators. The word here, the Hebrew word here is male, I guess is the word it's translated from, and it occurs 306 times in the Old Testament. The KJV translates it as replenish only seven times out of the 306. Only seven times out of the 306. But it's translated 195 times as fill, filled, or full. And the other times it has an idiomatic meaning or it uh, meaning to fulfill. The Latin word from which the English word comes from uh, is plio or replio. Okay, and again, that's just the, the start of that report, and I give you a link to it. You click on that. Now, so we did that. Now we can go back to um, the actual main report because I wanted to do a debunking of this pre-Adamic man, of, uh, just a cliff note debunking, because they're using this term so many times here now. In this New Age report, we're getting about what's going on in Antarctica right now. Who would have thought I would have? they would have used that term? But they are. Okay, now, here's a picture um, of one of the excavations. And I'm just going to describe it to you. you can, I, I left it big. So if you want to look at the PDF, it's a really, it's a big picture. And it's showing a lot of the ruins, a, a depiction of stone ruins that are kind of crushed down. And they've got these, uh, it shows them pulling out like a big woolly mammoth it looks like on a truck on an, a truck with like ice tracks. And then up on top of the hill is a steam blower that's blowing down steam and they're melting the ice and they're, and they're using it to, to melt the ice away from these cities. And it's kind of an interesting little thing. There's bulldozers down there and all these guys working and stuff like that, okay? This is an artistic depiction of the ruins found under Antarctica. In addition, now going back to the main report here, in addition, select ancient artifacts from other locations will be brought in from vast warehouses and seeded into the archaeological site for public release. Um, in their impending announcement about the Antarctica excavations, emphasis will not be on the terrestrial elements of the flash-frozen civilization in order not to shock the general population too much. In other words, they don't want to talk about 10 to 12 foot giants they're just going to talk about oh we found like cities down there and they were crushed and 
stuff. They're not going to talk about the, the advanced technology. They're probably not going to talk about the 10 to 12 foot giants. They may talk about the flash frozen animals. But remember, this is incremental. It's slow. It's soft disclosure. We'll see what ends up happy, happening, though, when the time comes. Who knows what will actually happen. According to Corey Good, the announcement is likely to be timed as a distraction from the upcoming war crime trials against the global elites as leaks emerge about international pedophile rings and child trafficking. Well, we've seen an explosion of these devils being found out here. Okay, And I really believe a lot of that, the linchpin, was all the prayer that was going up right prior to the whole Clinton-Trump election. A lot of people were praying... You know, I did that prayer thing online. Um, a lot of people were praying and fasting, and all of a sudden, all these pedophile rings start being exposed. Okay? Because I believe that's what's nearest and dearest to God's heart. Planned Parenthood, baby sacrifice, pedophiles, I think that's the, you know, ground zero for wickedness. I don't say you get much worse than that. Um, going further, up until recently, everything Corey Good knew, now, and again, Corey Good and these guys on this side of the argument will present themselves, we're the good guys. We don't want the pedophiles. We don't want the evil Illuminati cabal, which they openly acknowledge. That's why it's so confusing. Because it's like, well, they seem like good guys and it kind of seems like they want the, the right thing for humanity. They want this advanced technology that's been suppressed, like zero-point energy and stuff like that, where we could have devices that basically power our house and not have to worry about an electric bill where we can have devices that power our cars and not have to worry about putting gas in them all of these devices are real and exist and i'm saying that if they were used in a godly way would be a blessing obviously they want that technology to come out as well so it's very very hard when you look at things like Corey good and these guys because a lot of what they're trying to push is the same things we would want like wow Technology where we're not dependent on wicked, evil, Illuminati cabal. You know, uh, the pedophiles to be exposed. Uh, you know, stuff like that. You just have to separate things out, though, and understand that, that they're not being guided by God. You know, their, their agenda is not godly. So it's very important to separate everything out. And that's what I'm trying to do with these, these broadcasts. Um, I would never tell anybody just to go on, yeah, yeah, watch all the Corey Good interviews and the David Wilcock interviews. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it. It's, it's maddening. It's maddening to try to do that. It's, it's, I do it because it's part of my job and because I've got so much experience ferreting all this garbage out. I've got literally a couple decades under my belt at this point. I'm not saying you couldn't do it. I'm just saying, for most people, it would be confusing waste of time. I'm trying to do it in such a way where I can take this information and let you see the underlying hidden agenda of what they're actually jockeying themselves into position to do, to try to deceive us. And they may come across like the best thing since sliced bread, but you've got to be aware that there's, there's definitely hidden agenda there. Okay, um, let's go further here. Um, up until recently, everything Corey Good knew about the Antarctica excavations had been shared with him by an insider source he referred to as Sigmund. Uh, that changed in early 2017 when Good himself was taken to Antarctica to witness the ruins and the excavations underway. 
uh, in short, in a short personal briefing on January 24th and subsequent dinner discussion, which included David Wilcock, who's the guy that always, always uh, interviews him, who says he's basically the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. <laughs> so he doesn't have a too high opinion of himself. Ed, the, the, the occultist Ed, Edgar Casey, okay, that died. He says he's the reincarnation of him. Okay, this is the kind of nut nut uh, job we're dealing with here with David Wilcock. Okay, um, uh, Good related some of the details about his most recent Ant Antarctic trip in that broadcast. He had previously reported on an earlier visit to Antarctica where he got to see five of the working underground bases belonging to an interplanetary corporate conglomerate, a corporate-run secret space program based in Antarctica. And here's a depiction of one of the bases he was shown under Antarctica. Okay. Um, Good says that shortly after 2017, he was taken to Antarctica by a Anshar spacecraft, which is one of their factions, I guess. And the Anshar are one of the seven inner earth civilizations that Good has met with. Okay. So he says that we have an inner earth. Okay. It's not a hollow earth. It's more like a honeycomb underneath the crust of the earth, which is totally plausible, okay? And you've had Hollywood um, talk a lot about that, you know, journey to the center of the earth and that kind of stuff, okay? Um, and there's different civilizations that supposedly live down there that are, they all have their own agenda. And supposedly they're more highly evolved than us, and uh, invariably what they are are some type of Nephilim, type offshoot race that lives under the earth that uh, has a lot to do with manipulating humanity and a lot of them are yoked up with the illuminati okay that's what they claim i'm not saying i i buy into all of that i'm saying that's what they're saying okay um he has in early reports described being taken to the main underground city belonging to this anshar which is one of these seven inner earth civilizations where he described their advanced technologies Good has described his multiple encounters with this Anshar. Her name's Kari. She's a high priestess of the Anshar, who acted as his guide and his friend in many trips into the Earth's interior, Antarctica, and also into deep space. Um, another key figure in Good's revelations is a man called Gonzalez, who is a U.S. Navy lieutenant commander that was Good's initial contact with the Secret Space Program Alliance, comprising the Naver's Solar Warden Program, which is another offshoot of one of their programs, along with defectors from other secret space programs. After being exposed due to Good's involuntary abductions and interrogations by the Sigmund, Gonzalez has become a liaison between a Mayan secret space program and another SPP alliance. It's just this endless amount of alliances and factions, and it just you know, it just never ends, okay? Um, in his early 2017 visit, Corey Good says he was joined by this Anshar, High Priestess Kari, Gonzalez, and two other inner earth civilization representatives, one of whom belonged to an Asian-looking race that Good had described in his initial meeting with the representatives of the seven inner earth civilizations. Now, remember, this is the guy that's on the cutting edge for soft disclosure. He is their, like, their mouthpiece, their emissary. So, he's saying all of this to soften up humanity for when all of these entities finally make their big debut. 
and to make them appear like, well, they're just shy. They're really good guys. Yeah, they've done some things they shouldn't have done. Yeah, they, you know, worship Saturn, which is basically Satan. And they do this stuff. But they're, they're, they're really good. They're more highly evolved. They didn't want to pollute themselves with humanity. Okay. They're, they're better than us. They have better technology. They're all of these things. And now they're going to finally, at some point, belittle themselves and come down to our level and finally, you know, show us the true path. That's where I think this is all going, okay? Uh, Good and others were taken by the Anshar spacecraft to an unexcavated portion of the ruins. This is in Antarctica, okay? This was an area that was nearby scientific teams that have not yet reached Oh, that they have not yet reached, so it was still pristine. Meaning, these were they were he was taken to an area of the ruins that had not been explored yet by the the people that are down there right now excavating Antarctica, and he was showed the full extent of the civilization that had been flash frozen. Good described seen bodies twisted and contorted in various flash frozen states. The catastrophe had clearly been unanticipated. Well, they didn't know, the Bible even talks about that, that they didn't know <laughs> until, you know, the day the, the, the flood started, Noah closed up the ark, you know, they were unaware. They, they, they had no idea it was coming. That's what the Bible says. He said that the pre-Adamites, now granted, these were the pre-Adamites that they found there in this particular locale. Now, they were still 10 to 12 feet tall. Okay, were very thin. He stated that it was evidence from examining their bodies that they had evolved on a planet of much lower gravitational environment. Whatever. Whatever. Remember, there's different varieties, various and sundry different varieties of a lot of the abominations that the fallen angels put out. Okay, remember the defiled, according to the Book of Enoch, the, 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 um, the birds, uh, the animals... And we're going to be looking at that in a little bit here. And I believe there was a lot of different variations of the Nephilim creatures they were producing. This is where you get into Egyptology, you know, like, you know, a lot of their depictions of, you know, a bird, of, of being with a bird head and a human body. Or, you know, the minotaur, half bull, half human, that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of different flavors of these Nephilim beings on the planet. Here's an artistic depiction of a pre-Adamite along with a normal-sized human with a cone-shaped head. Okay, well, it's not a normal-sized human with a cone-shaped head. It's still a Nephilim, but it was a flavor of a Nephilim, okay? Um, in addition to the pre-Adamites, Good also saw many different types of normal-sized humans, some of whom had short tails. Well, hey, you know... I like when, before I eat, I, my tail starts wagging, and that's how I know I'm ready to eat, because, you know, I have a tail. Anyway, just kidding, teasing. They had short tails, while others had elongated skulls similar to the pre-Adamites. It's funny how they keep using that term over and over. Oh, why would they acknowledge Adam? Think about that. The Bible's a farce, I thought. Why would they even bother... They're giving credence to the Bible every time they use the term pre-Adamites. They seem to be very obsessed with you knowing it was something. There were humans that lived before Adam, even though that's not possible because that's when God created man in his image with Adam. That was the first time he ever did it. 
Could it be that they keep emphasizing the term pre-Adamites to destroy Christians' faiths? Why don't they say whatever, some other kind of term? That, why would they keep using that term when they say the Bible's a farce? Because Satan wants to key in on that because he knows that the Christians are the ones he has to deceive. That's why I think this study is so important. The conclusion Good drew was that the pre-Adamites were conducting biological experiments on the indigenous human beings of the planet. Oh, just like basically Noah in the book of Enoch said. The, I mean, Genesis 6. I mean, well, you can say, where, where to say that in Genesis 6? Well, fallen angels procreating with women is an experiment on humans. They produce them men of old, men of renown. That is, that is an experiment. Okay, it doesn't elaborate and get into great detail, but that's what the first part of Enoch does. And again, I don't call Enoch like scripture or whatever, but it's more of a, a commentary. It's more of an expansion on Genesis 6. We're going to look at that in a second. Um, so again, this is so much related back to the Bible and so many studies that I've done. Corey Good was saying that he determined that these pre-Adamite 10 to 12 foot giants were conducting biological experiments on indigenous humans and the animals of the planet. Of course they were. They were trying to defile humanity just like they're trying to do today with the alien abduction program, with all the GMOs, with the chem trailing, with all the garbage they're doing in the vaccinations. Trying to do the same thing today. They're just doing it a different way. It's more subtle today. Back then it was more in your face. They came as gods. They, 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 you know, it was like the boot over your throat approach. Whereas today it's been a lot more subtle. Sidebar. I put in here. Genetic experiments were being conducted. Um, now this is a... This is a continuation of the Q&A session I did previously about the people going back and forth about what they discovered in Antarctica. This is going to further elaborate on these biological experiments that these pre-Adamite giants were conducting on humans and the animals. Okay? This is further proof of that, in other words. Okay, the one person comments. Remember, this is entitled, Genetic Experiments Were Being Conducted in Antarctica. This is what's being found out about Antarctica. One person makes a comment. I am getting more and more in chunks, so to speak. There have been finds of complexes of genetic labs in Antarctica, where they're excavating, that, were, that they were creating all sorts of mixes and matches of humanoid species on Earth. They were doing this stinking garbage back in Genesis 6. And this is why God had to wipe out the whole planet. Because they were defiling the, the, the everything. And that's why God had to hit the reset button and start over with Noah on the ark. Satan is obsessed with destroying the seed line of humanity because we were created in God's image. Obsessed with it. And he was obsessed with it in Genesis 6. They were creating uh, in the genetic labs they're finding in Antarctica right now, they were creating all sorts of mixes and matches of humanoid species on Earth. 
they were mixing the DNA of each of the Earth humanoids that were meant to be separate experiments of the genetic farmer races, whatever that is. This created all sorts of human hybrids, which is what they're uncovering down there. Humans with elongated heads, tall humans that were, well, they, these were probably the ones that were in control, the, the, the really tall 10 to 12 footers that were thin, all kind of uh, humans with tails, all this garbage. And you think back to Greek mythology, the minotaurs and all of the half-human stuff that you see. They also bred certain traits into small test populations to create different types of humans, giants, etc. No wonder God had to wipe them out. And we got the same thing happening today. It's just, it's just being done way more covertly. Now, my comment on this. See my study that I did in 2008, and I give you the links here, called Cloning DNA Manipulation and Corrupting the Seed in the Book of Enoch. And I'm going to read you the, the table, of the, the description of the teaching now. The interpretation of Genesis 6-4 that the Nephilim are half-human, half-fallen angel makes this very simple to understand. God made a way for man to be saved from his sin through grace by faith in the Son of Jesus Christ, but he did not make a way for angels that rebelled to be saved. Therefore, a mixture of two kinds would be a corruption and the result of a fallen race. It is interesting that Genesis tells us that all flesh was corrupt in the days of Noah. What does that mean? We know that God destroyed all the animals as well as all the people except those brought on the ark by Noah and his family. We will explore this topic further in the study. Now, what is man doing in creating these hybrids, whether they are human or animal or plant or animal? Because I'm just talking about the hybrids they were creating back in 2008. Man is mixing kinds together and creating a corrupt and defiled race. Frankly, man, who is inspired by these demons and devils, Frankly, man is messing with these things that he has no right to manipulate. He is, in effect, trying to play God, which goes right back to the original sin of the garden. Now, if we look at the book of Enoch, chapter 7, okay, here's what it says. And again, this is more like an expansion of Genesis 6. I don't call it canon of scripture or anything like that, but I'll tell you what, it sure does confirm a lot of the Bible, and there are certain parts of the books of, of Enoch that are quoted in the King James Bible. Okay, the one I use is the blue hard copy version from a Baptist theological press. Okay, and if you go and you click on this, I'm pretty sure I, get, I show you and give you the link and everything to, to buy it. And um, it literally has, whenever it mentions something in the book of Enoch, it literally shows you where it is confirmed in the King James Bible. It gives you the Bible verses. It, the only thing it ever did with me is strengthen my faith. Okay, I'm just telling you, that was the fruit of it for me. Okay, so here's Book of Enoch, chapter 7, the first uh, seven verses. Um, anyway, it says, And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives. These are, the, these are the fallen angels. They took them wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. Meaning angels were never meant to procreate with women. They can do it, but they were never meant to do it. They were meant to be as the angels in heaven that did not procreate. But they can do it if they fall. Okay? 
And this is exactly what Genesis chapter 6 says. And they began to go into them and to defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantments, which is witchcraft. Okay? And this is where witches, this is where witches originally were born. The original witches, the first time that humanity had probably ever seen a witch was during Genesis 6. Not only were these women bearing these abominations, these giants, these men of old, men of renown, but they were also being they were also being taught to be witches. They taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. Okay, then they were using them for evil nefarious purposes. Okay, like you know, I have new whatever. Uh, you know how you see a witch over a cauldron this is what we're talking about here and they became pregnant and they bear great giants you know to the fallen angels whose height was three thousand l's now I, we don't really know exactly how tall it was but it was one tall sucker okay these were the original giants these were the ones that came straight from the fallen angels every time a giant would then subsequently breed with another human woman the giant would be smaller if the giant bred with another woman um let's say uh that giant bred with a woman and that woman bore him a giant the giant is called a half caste giant it may be half as tall as is its dad i don't know it's got more human genetics in it because it's been bred this is two generations of women now it's got a higher generation of human genetics the giant itself is half human okay but every time it breeds with a woman the the the, the subsequent generations they become more human okay doesn't mean they're they're capable of being saved but as they continue to breed they giants become smaller now that book on the solomon islands that i read excerpts from they talk a lot about that they talk a lot about these giants, and not even from a biblical standpoint, but they talk about half-caste and quarter-caste giants. They talk about full-caste, meaning that word caste is C-A-S-T-E, okay? A full-caste giant would be a fallen angel directly procreating with a human woman. You're going to get the biggest version of that giant from that. Then, if that giant breeds with another woman... It's not the fallen angel breeding with it. It's that giant breeding with it who's half human. You're going to get a half-caste giant. Then if that half-caste giant breeds with another human, you're going to get a quarter-caste giant. And they've got, and in some parts of Solomon Islands, I don't know about today, but I know at the time of the writing of that book, there were some quarter-caste giants that were actually living within some of the more remote tribes on the Solomon Islands. It's funny, they, you know, had to watch him, though, because if, uh, like, the one was like, like, his wife would go away, and if she wasn't watching him, she'd come back and all the animals would be gone, because he'd eaten them all. And he was a quarter cast. He wasn't even a half or a full cast. In other words, by the time they got to be a quarter cast, they were still wicked as the devil, but. They had enough humanity in them where they could kind of live within society. Certain societies. Barely. But they could maybe pull it off. But the closer they got to the fallen angel, the more just evil and just there's no way you could even deal with them. 
And there's a lot of people on the island that, that they believe do to this day descend from giants. And you might look at them and they might, you know, they might just be a little bit taller than normal and stuff. I don't believe that there's any hope of them getting saved though, because they're, they're, you know, they're still got that fallen angel genetic component in them. And again, it's all about, for Satan, it's all about defiling our DNA. It's, it, it, look at how important it is for Satan. Look at how much effort he's expended. Look at Genesis 6. That's what it was all about. Is defiling our DNA so that he would blot out the seed line of humanity because we're created in God's image. And then you can't get saved. All right, so let's go back to this. And it said, these giants, these great giants who consumed all the acquisitions of men. These things just don't eat like, okay, like a quarter cast giant. Okay. Let's say they're saying the quarter cast on the Solomon Islands are about, about seven feet tall. They're not nine, ten footers. Okay. Half cast, you're looking at about 10 to 12. A full cast, you could be looking up to 20 to 25 feet. From if, if what I'm remembering is right, okay? But even at seven foot tall, you got Shaquille O'Neal, for instance. He's not going to eat like a quarter cast giant. A quarter cast giant is going to be way stronger than Shaquille O'Neal. They said one time in that book in the Solomon Islands, they said one time they actually lured one of these things aboard a ship. They're not real bright, okay? They lured it aboard a ship. They took it to Australia. Now, I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. But they took it to a, um, uh, they, 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 they set it with this family. And remember, a quarter cast, these can actually live in society, certain ones of them. They're not just, just going to go around and try to rip your head off, okay? A lot of them have been brought up with humans, so they've actually formed bonds with humans, okay? But they live with this one family, and I don't know whether this thing escaped or what ended up happening or whether this happened at the very beginning, but they, they took it into town, and they were having some thing, okay? Now, granted, this thing would stand out, but it's not going to stand out like an 11 or 12 footer. This one might have been like 6'9", six, 6'10". Okay, so in other words, there are humans that are that big walking around. Well, they took it to this thing where they're having this fighting expedition or exhibition. Okay, and there was a guy in there that was going around challenging all comers, and if you could beat this guy, then you know whatever. So they're doing this, and then all of a sudden they were like, they're like, oh, we want to put this uh, whatever his name was, we want to put him to fight this guy. He didn't even want to do it, and so they put him in the ring with this guy who was this expert fighter in Australia. And, and the, the giant didn't even want to fight. It hadn't been brought up to do that. It, had been lived, it lived with this real nice family, and it wasn't even about that. But the guy went and he started hitting the giant, and the giant got like, of course, it's a quarter cast. Like, you shouldn't really call it a giant. The quarter cast Nephilim, essentially. All of a sudden became enraged and punched the guy he punched him so hard that his fist drove into his chest, it said, and literally caved in everything. The guy was dead instantly. Instantly, okay? That's how hard they can hit. And that's a quarter cast. And their appetite is such that you they'll just eat you out of house and home. Well, what does it say here in the book of Enoch? It said, 
who's, who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when the men could no longer sustain, and, and you look at the Solomon Island giant reports, and that's what they, the natives say over and over. They're like, they're just insatiable. You can't, you can't keep these things fed. That's why they end up eating men. Because they'll eat all your acquisitions, they'll eat all your stuff, and then they'll eat you. Now, I'm not saying that a Christian cannot battle these things. I believe through the sword of the Spirit, through prayer, and, and that we can battle them, but it's it's not it's it's more of a spiritual battle. It's it's not like okay, I'm gonna take a fifty cow. Now I have no problem with somebody taking a fifty cow to one of these things and getting a headshot on them. I got no problem with that at all. They're pure wickedness. They're pure evil. But I'm saying primarily that I think a Christian's weapons of warfare are are different than that. And the Bible indicates that very much. Says and when they could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. See that over and over. You know. Comment. See Psalm twenty-seven two. When the wicked, and this is Psalm twenty-seven two. When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Why would a normal enemy come upon you to eat up your flesh? I mean, I can understand maybe you, you're fighting some, if you're in Papua New Guinea and, and you go out into the remotest part and you, you get into, uh, like, their headhunters or something, they're cannibals. But that's not your normal enemy you're going to face. But then again, when they went into the promised land, they were fighting giants, tribe after tribe. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh. That's what, that is a characteristic behavior of these giants. And it says it right there in the Bible. And the Bible's full of reports about giants that they encountered. I've done whole teachings on it. Just key in giants in the keyword search box. And we go, we go through all the verses where it talks about this. Okay, so back to Enoch 7. Let's finish that paragraph out of Enoch 7. So I'm going back to Enoch 7. And they began to sin against the birds. This is the giants. The birds and the beasts and the reptiles and the fish. The one thing I don't understand is if God flooded the earth and they had defiled the fish, how did he get rid of the defiled fish? Because they would they would thrive in water. That's one thing I don't understand. I, like again, I don't have all the answers, but I will guarantee you one thing: there were no more defiled fish after the flood. If God wiped out all the Nephilim and their seed line in the flood, which He did, and He did it perfectly, He took care of the fish too. I don't know how He did it, but I know He did it. Okay, if He hadn't have done it, we would have. We, can you imagine what the fish would look like today? They'd be like the GMO salmon with, that they're releasing. That would have eaten up everything else. But we don't have that. It's getting that way again, though. But between Fukushima and them releasing GMO garbage and, and the oil spills and all the other stuff they're doing to defile the seas. Well, what were they just saying up here? It says in Enoch, and they begin to sin against the birds, the beasts, the reptiles, and the fish. That's why God had to start over with all the animals, too, in Noah's day. And to, and to devour one another's flesh. They started eating each other. The giants. 
and drink the blood, which is totally forbidden in the Bible. They were drinking each other's blood. It says that's a perpetual covenant. You shall never do this. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. It's like the blood cried out from the earth to the throne of God and laid accusation and God finally had to just take the whole world out with a flood. Save Noah and the animals on the ark and his family. And it's saying here they began to sit against the birds, the beasts, the reptiles, and the fish. And it just said up here that the conclusion of Corey Good was that was that the pre-Adamites, and this was not pre-Adamites, this was the giants of of Genesis 6, were conducting biological experiments on the indigenous human beings on the planet and the animals. The exact thing, thing basically the exact thing that the Book of Enoch was saying. It's kind of like the Tower of Babel, if you think about it. God had to stop what was going on in the Tower of Babel, it said. He had to stop that. Lest they actually try to accomplish their goals. He had to confound their languages and disperse different groups to different parts of the earth. Okay? God had to do the same thing in Genesis 6, essentially. Because if they had went their way and no one of them die out, or they let's say they kill no one in his family, and they kill whatever few remaining animals aren't defiled, well then, then you don't get Jesus. Jesus is never allowed to come along because there's no humans that can carry the seed line for where Jesus can even be born. God had to hit the reset button. That's the ultimate example, hit the reset button, the flood. The Tower of Babel was like a kind of a reset button, but it wasn't near as hardcore as what happened in um, Genesis 6. Okay, so now, let's go back to the main report. I'm sorry I have to do these sidebars, but so much of it, it's like, okay, i got to cover the subject now where they're talking about this. This is the Corey Good report. This is a report about Antarctica. Gonzalez, who's one of the guys that Corey Good's interacted with, this lieutenant, had an instrument for taking biological samples. This was in Antarctica. This is recently. He had an instrument for taking biological samples that he plunged into various frozen bodies they found there. He also carried a camera and took many photos. The biological material and photos would be given um, I'm sorry, I lost my place there. Would be given for study by the Secret Space Program Alliance scientists. In addition, there were scrolls of a metallic alloy that were rolled up with some kind of writing on them. The Anshar, which is one of this inner Earth representatives and other Earth inner representatives, were collecting as many of these scrolls as possible. From what I can gather, all of these different factions of these Nephilim and these fallen angelic races and these supposed aliens and all this stuff, they're obsessed with all of this ancient technology and ancient information and gaining and garnering information from other civilizations that are discovered. Okay? Um, which, uh, essentially, what I believe it always ends up boiling down to is some kind of occult knowledge that maybe they don't have access to yet. Uh, in early reports, Corey Good had described the Anshar Library as being quite extensive and having many ancient artifacts from multiple civilizations. The Anshar were adding the historical records of this flash-frozen civilization to their library. In addition, Good said that his party was not witnessed by the scientists and 
archaeologists working on the excavations in the other part of the Antarctic ruins. So the main excavations that were taking place, Corey Good and them were in a totally separate spot. The Anshar ship, meaning the ship that they had, these inner earth people, or Nephilim, had traveled through the ice to get to the ruins. Meaning their ships can go through solid objects, if need be, evidently. Good recalled how the ship could easily move through walls using their advanced technologies. Now, this is a very common thing when people get abducted. Their bodies go right through the roof or right through the side of the wall. Well, isn't that the same concept you would see in Star Trek? Well, like, beam me up, Scotty? Type of thing? Yeah, it's some kind of dematerializing thing that, you know, they have these technologies. Okay, let's go further. Um... The significance of Corey Good's January trip to Antarctica is that it was a confirmation for what had been earlier briefed about from various sources and the United States Air Force officer uh, Sigmund. The Antarctic excavations were quite real and Corey Good was now the first primary witness to it. The first visit by many dignitaries to Antarctica in 2016 included Secretary of State John Kerry. John Kerry did go down there. It was announced. The astronaut, Buzz Aldrin, who had to come back like real quick because he got sick, Ill, violently ill, and he had all these weird cryptic things he said after he got back. This patriarch, Kirill, this religious patriarch, and many other in previous years is circumstantial evidence that a major discovery has been made in Antarctica, but yet to be revealed to the general public in mass. Thanks to Corey Good, we now have firsthand eyewitness testimony of the full extent of the antarctica discovery and the scientific excavations underway since 2002 been down there that long that are expected to be announced with some elements of the discovery very soon and they're saying that it may come in conjunction with a lot of these pedophile rings being exposed as a distraction so again i don't know how that's all going to play out it's one of the things they were saying here um you know, I'm going to go ahead and stop here because uh, the um, the next report shouldn't take me that long, but the way I ramble, it might, and I don't want to do another two-hour study. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and stop here, and we will go to part uh, four next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part four.